podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hi there, I'm Mo Chatra and welcome to another episode of Money Talks. And I'm welcoming back um, a special guest that I had on Money Talks several years ago. And um, he's joining me to cover a number of very, very interesting subjects. Um, this is coming off of uh, a conversation um, that this guest had with the CEO of Liverpool Football Club, Billy Hogan. Um, it's the sports writer for FC Business and also the mail. It is Alex Miller. How are you doing, Alex? Hi there. Nice to be back. Yeah, I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, really good. Really good. Um, trying my best not to melt away in this uh, very, very hot weather um, that we're enjoying here in England. Um, but um, yeah, just about surviving. I'm sure you are as well. Just, just about. Uh, right. So as I say, um, you know, quite a number of uh, interesting topics to cover um, coming off of the back of your recent conversation with the CEO of Liverpool Football Club, uh, Billy Hogan. Um, and I'd like to start, if I may, with the recently announced extension um, to the sponsorship deal that Liverpool has with Standard Chartered. It's a relationship that commenced way back in 2010 under the uh, previous ownership of Ix and Gillette and um, has been extended and will continue for another four years and um, it is reported to be uh, a deal that will be at least 50 million a year um, Liverpool Football Club's coffers and that's an increase of 10 million on the, the basic uh, deal um, that was struck back in 2018. Now Alex it's interesting this because just about two three months ago when um, there was a lot of reporting about this story um, there were noises coming out in certain quarters that Liverpool were looking at potentially doing a deal, you know, right, you know, getting up to about 70 to 80 million pounds per annum. Um, and yet, uh, the deal is for 50 million pounds plus, um, bonuses linked to, um, achievements. So obviously, if, if Liverpool were to win the Premier League or the Champions League, um, then Standard Chart would pay out more. But, um, nonetheless, um, not quite at the levels of the figures that have been reported. Um, so is that perhaps because those reports were wider the mark and Liverpool were not really expecting to secure a front-of-shirt sponsorship deal for 70 to 80 million? Or is it that the offers were there on the table, but um, they decided to um, stick with what they know and extend um, their current deal with Stan Chard? Yeah, it's an interesting one, this, because, as you say, reports have been out a few, a few months before um, confirmation of the new deal was, was, was put out. Um, the club, without question, had gone out to market to test the waters. They'd gone out with a figure in their head of what they ideally wanted. Uh, they went out and tested the market. They found pretty quickly that, as you would expect with a club in the shape Liverpool are in, that there was a lot of interest. Of course, money always talks. Um, and they were always going to get an uplift. There was no question about that. Um, I think some of the figures that were put out there were, were, were literally set to test the market. I wouldn't say they were sort of necessarily wide at the mark. I think that some of it served as a bit of a, you know, sort of finger in the air to see what would come back. Um, I mean, I did hear quite, quite strong rumors and indeed there had been reports of, um, the club talking to crypto companies. Um, now I've heard conflicting reports around that because the club are absolutely adamant that they were never close to a deal with a crypto 
uh, sponsor for the front of shirt. And yet reports had it out there that they were, um, you know, they were in some very serious talks. Again, I think it was just a case of testing the market. Um, I think the thing to remember always was that uh, Standard Chartered had, um, uh, they they always had first, sort of first dibs, if you like, on, on uh, uh, renegotiating the deal. They were always going to have that. And, and I think in the end, it was a question of if Standard Chartered were happy to, to agree to the kind of uplift uh, the club were wanting, that deal was always going to get done. So I think it's interesting to note that Standard Chartered were always, you know, um, favourites to continue um, and they simply had to put money on the table that the club were looking for to sort of uh, reflect their sort of progress on the pitch. Yeah, and I, th- I think um, in terms of the wider context, uh, it's still a, a very, very strong deal, certainly one of the top um, shirt sponsorship deals in world football. And um, the uh, fact that there is that stability there, that long-term relationship, I think also counted for something. And, um, you know, it, it's still ultimately you know, a strong deal to be struck. Um, and, and again, just in terms of that wider context, you know, if you look at Manchester United, for example, their previous deal with Chevrolet was paying out up to £64 million a year. And yet their deal uh, with TeamViewer uh, was secured for um, clearly less than that. And, uh, you know, that deal as well uh, with TeamViewer uh, which is £47 million pounds a year, um, is only a year into a four-year um, agreement. And yet, um, I think it was just a couple of weeks ago that TeamViewer um, put out a statement to uh, confirm that they would not extend that deal, even though it has got a further three years to run. Um, so, you know, it, against that kind of wider context, I, I think overall it is still a strong deal. And, you know, should Liverpool secure um further major silverware you know this season and the coming seasons and clearly um you know, they can expect to be generating um anywhere from sixty five to maybe even sixty million pounds um at the top end from from that deal with standard charge. So um, overall I think they'll be pleased with the commercial team at the club with um the deal that they struck there. Well I, now, I, I agree I agree. Yes, sorry, sorry Mark. I, I agree with you. We mustn't forget that, um, as you quite rightly point out, I mean that that deal with Standard Charters effectively puts Liverpool alongside Manchester City as as the most lucrative deal of its type in the Premier League, just a few million ahead of United. But but um, you know, I think we ought to just sort of marry off any any any. Um, uh, disappointment, if that is the right way to put it, with the fact that we we ought to just sort of remember that it is the most lucrative deal of its kind in the Premier League, and and so that's no no mean feat. It should be what Liverpool are doing with with the way they're the way they're sort of going about their business, you know, on the pitch, the the success they're having, etc. We know the size of the club, and it should be what they're doing. But you know, they are they they are doing it. They have they have sort of gone there, haven't they? And and, and sort of you know, eked out a good deal. And I think you're right. I think the you know the deal that my understanding is it could get 55 to 60 with certain success uh, bonus payments put in there. Um, so yeah, I, I think you've got to be you've got to be very happy with that, really. Yeah. Now on the subject of um, sponsorship deals um, featured on Club Shirt, um, the sleeve sponsorship um, is currently with Expedia. And that's a deal um, that pays out approximately, my understanding is about nine million pounds a year, uh, which is, a, is an improvement on the previous deal, which was with Western Union, um, which had been paying out approximately seven million a year. And I think it was Victor. I think they were the first sleeve sponsor uh, several seasons ago, and that was paying out that five million a year. That said, um, you know there are other clubs in the league. Um, that do generate more from their uh, sorry, C sponsorship, um, Manchester United, uh, most notably. So again, with this deal having, you know, less than a season to run, um, the club's attentions must clearly be turning to that. And, uh, what is the club's mood in terms of securing, um, an equally as impressive deal for that, 
um, part of the shirt um, as compared to the front of shirt deal that they recently secured with Standard Chartered? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a good question because, you know, I think if we take a step back, um, what we do know about Liverpool is that they tend, when they find a partner that works well, they, they do tend to have very long-term relationships. So whether that's uh, Crown Paints, whether that's uh, Carlsberg, whether that's now Standard Chartered, um, you know, when they when they find a partner that works really well, like you tend to find that those partners hang around. And I think that's really important to the club. I think these relationships are really important to the club. So I think I think what we do know around the sleeve deal with Expedia is we do know that they're already uh, in, in talks about striking an improved deal. Again, they again Expedia have first rights on, on, on extending before um, Liverpool are able to go out to the market. Now, my feeling is that in fact, not my feeling, but from what I understand from, from from Billy Hogan and others, is that that partnership is working really well. They they you know in terms of we hear a lot about um, similarities and, and and sort of cultural similarities and all this kind of thing. But I think it's about partnerships, and and, and the partnership seems to be working really well. And my understanding is that the club are not that far away, probably uh, around Christmas time, if not before, to announce an extension to that deal. Um, that would be my uh, prediction, and I would say to you they're going to, without again, without question, as with the standard chartered deal, they're going to get in a, they're going to get um, improved terms. You know, the question will be whether they can get quite up to sort of twenty million a year. It wouldn't surprise me, you know, if they got somewhere, moved it from say nine to fifteen, with some, with some. Um, Heavy uh, incentives in there as well, um, yes. because I really, I, I really think for the sake of a couple of million, and I don't say it flippantly, but I really believe it that, you know, I, I just think they, they they place such a value on on the, the the brand of the company, the type of company that's on the shirt, and the relate the working relationship they have, and I think they place an awful lot of value in that. So I think they would even, you know, whisper it quietly. I think they'd even probably for you know, forego a couple of million a year if it was to, to work with the partner they really want to continue with, you know. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. That's, um, you say something that uh, seems a lot of value and it's not just about looking to secure deals with those that um, offer the most amount of money. There has to be a certain synergy there you know, beyond just um, who offers the most. So, no, again, again, that is to be admired um, in terms of the way that the club operates. You know, that even with partners, um, they do look to those with you know, certain shared values, and uh, that, that again clearly is important to to Liverpool. Um, so again, you know, that that is certainly promising that um, the club is working on that deal, and hopefully we'll have something announced uh, this side of Christmas. Uh, now. Um, on, on sticking with um, income generation activities, one area that the club um, arguably has had less success in is, is the kind of broader category um, of, of crypto. And their first kind of foray into that was um, in, in, in the whole world of NFTs. And uh, they uh, aim to generate um, a pretty significant sum. I think from memory it was about eight to nine million pounds. Um, from sale of NFTs, and yet um, they, they came nowhere near that. Um, I think it generated about a million pounds, or just slightly above that. Um, now, is, is this something that the club um, perhaps is revisiting in terms of its strategy around this and also around associated um, matters such as blockchain? Um, what, what's the kind of club's kind of direction of travel, do you think, around that front? Yeah, I think I think you're right in the sense that we that we know they've they've had a foray into it, and it perhaps from a financial point of view um, didn't get where they wanted it to be. I think there was perhaps some lessons learned in terms of how they've how they went about it, the language around it, the concept, etc. But um, I think you know when you when you when you bear in mind that that Manchester United have uh, have done a crypto deal worth 24 million a year, um, that's huge money, and I think you know. Liverpool, without question, are looking at it. Will continue to look at it. I think they'll look and 
try and learn from mistakes they've made before. But I think they admit quite uh, quite openly that um, it's an area that they're, they're absolutely going to continue to explore, um, uh, to look at, see how they can roll out concepts and ideas that will um, uh, work well, which will um, serve the purposes of the club and also, you know, bring around a property, if you like, that, that the fans want to get involved with. So, you know, the idea of, of a crypto, crypto sponsor, I don't think is unrealistic, perhaps sooner rather than later. Um, as for the, as for the, you know, the release again of NFTs, um, uh, I think lessons have been learned and I think, uh, you know, I think other, other offers and other, um, other situations will come out in the future. I don't think the club have put it another way. I don't think the club have been scared off from it. I think that they will literally sort of, uh, you know, take stock, look at what's happened and, and, and sort of, um, look to learn from that and come back again. I mean, you know, they'll talk about how, you know, they managed from that NFT launch to, to, to raise, I think it was something like 250, perhaps more 300,000 for the foundation. So far from all doom and gloom around it, you know, even if it didn't have the success that they perhaps wanted when they, when they first looked at it, but you know, it's not going away, is it crypto? It's, uh, you know, and if it's a revenue source that the club can add to its, um, you know, another string to its bow, then they're going to continue to look at it, and you can understand why. Yeah, absolutely, and um, certainly for Manchester United, um, current climate secure deal of twenty-four million a year um, with a crypto partner will certainly be something Liverpool can't frankly ignore. So, uh, so I think there must be um, actually explore opportunities exist on that front. But at the same time, you know, partnering with um, somebody that they, they feel is right um, will be important. I mean, we, we know um, that, for example, Manchester City have, um, in the last 12 months, partnered with um, crypto companies that, uh, upon a bit of due diligence carried out by the likes of, you know, Tarek Pandy and others, so it seems to suggest that maybe that those companies um, were not quite what they tapped themselves to be. Um, so I, th- I think Liverpool will be very careful about selecting the right kind of partner to avoid any kind of adverse publicity. And uh, you know, I'd be certainly confident that if they do secure a crypto sponsorship deal of some sort, that um, you know, they would have put the time and effort into making sure um, you know, the, the operation and uh, the partner itself is is um, legitimate and can uh, work well with. Now, changing uh, subject to Anfield. Now, this is obviously uh, the home of Liverpool and has been since its uh, inception in 1892. And one of the first big decisions that uh, the ownership group of um, SG had to make back in 2010 when they took over the club was whether to up sticks and move to a brand new stadium or to remain at Anfield and you know, clearly they um, opted for the latter um, and that was something that had worked well for them with their Boston Red Sox you know, they stayed at Fenway Park and decided to redevelop um, that historic stadium and that worked well for them there now you know we are now into phase two of Anfield's expansion um, following the completion of the main stand expansion back in 2016-17. Um, Anfield Road End, um, the expansion of that commenced several months ago and it is motoring along uh, extremely well. The club has um, intentions to complete um, the bulk of the work, certainly in order to increase the capacity and time for the start of the 2023-24 season, um, which is approximately a year away from now. Um, so, what's the club's um, view about um, their, their approach to the stands expansion, um, especially like the fact that they are incorporating further hospitality within that? And um, are, are they um, very optimistic about what, what what that expansion can bring to the club, not only in terms of revenue but kind of further benefits as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, 
my understanding is that 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 um, the expanded uh, Anfield Road end is going to be worth in the region of around another 10 million a year uh, to match day revenues. So when you think it's costing 80 million, um, that's a return in, in, in eight years. That's the kind of, that's the kind of level of um, return on investment that, um, that uh, FSG like. And, uh, you know, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? And just to have more fans in the stadium, of course, is brilliant. The atmosphere will go up, uh, more fans in what's not to like. I think, what, where they're also going to, um, to 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 see further benefits, of course, is is you know non-match day events, whether that's boxing, whether that's rugby, whether that's uh, concerts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You, you're just going to be able to get more bums on seats, um, figuratively speaking, when you know with, with the expansion. So you know it's a win-win, isn't it? And of course, we all know that the model of the club is spend what spend what you what you generate. So the more the more the club can generate, uh, the more we can spend. So so um, I think that's good news all round. And and you know I think I think everything's done in a very cool, calm, and calculated way. And I think you know my again talking to people around the construction, my understanding is is nothing's impossible, nothing's ruled in, nothing's ruled out. You know, I think you know. In in an ideal world, would the would, would the club like to do, you know, the Sir Kenny Dalgleish and the Cop as well? I think the the answer to that is, of course, they would. Um, but you know, everything will have to be taken on its merits. Um, and who knows? We do know, obviously, that they're they're extremely hemmed in on those two sides. So, an awful an awful lot of hurdles and an awful lot of um, uh, you know, thought to go into those, but. But but I I mean I wouldn't necessarily rule out further work on the stadium after you know after after the new Anfield Road end of course it just depends on you know what what the, what they're able to do in terms of working with the council and 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 the, and the local area around the ground you know um, so it wouldn't surprise me if something were to be done in, in you know in in the sort of next sort of midterm sort of five six years it wouldn't surprise me but likewise. You know, a modernisation of of what's already there, an improvement on what's already there, and those other two stands. You know, that that's the sort of that's the sort of that's the low bar, if you like. You know, a kind of an update and a, a modification of those two areas. I think that's the very least that we can expect to see. But the club, as we know, they the owners are very careful not to not to promise anything. They like to like to go steady. So I just wouldn't be expecting any announcements in the foreseeable future at all. Um, and of course it's been well documented. We know that the problems with, um, transport and getting in and out of the ground, um, that's an issue when, when the stadium gets over a certain size. Um, we also know obviously homes, people's houses are, are back onto the Sir Kenny Dalgleish stand. So there's issues around that. So there's no easy, no easy solution, but I think, I think as we've seen with the owners, they'll, they'll work through it and, don't be surprised to see to see sort of uh, further announcements um, once once this uh, new stand is complete and up and running. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would I'd certainly uh, not be surprised if uh, certainly after the expansion of the Anfield Road end been completed and that's um, been and gone um, for at least feasibility. Um, study to be undertaken to look at, into the viability of expanding either of the two uh, remaining stands. Um, I, I think that that's certainly um, a possibility. And with the top, I mean, clearly it's, it's the most famous of the four stands at Anfield, um, but it will certainly be looking um, comparatively small uh, once um, Anfield Road ends completed. Um, and it will be um, certainly in the shadow of the main stand, which is a gargantuan stand in its own right. And so I think of the two stands, that's probably the least or, or the less complex one to expand, purely because um, the property issues that we know delayed the main stand expansion for many years um, probably wouldn't be as much of a factor with expanding the COP as would be the case with second Dan Gleeshtan. So um, that, that's certainly one to keep an eye on. And, and another interesting point as well is that um, 
as part of expanding the Anfield Road End, um, the club did commission a transport study as well. And what the transport study found is that um, match day um, spectators' um, habits in terms of getting to um, games has changed over the years. And based on that latest assessment, um, they were of the view that um, it's potentially viable to accommodate um, as many as 70,000 um, on a match day without um, bringing um, the road infrastructure around the ground to complete and utter halt, uh, which is a, a variation to when they commissioned a similar study um, when they looked into potentially putting a new stadium up in Stanley Park. And at that time, um, figure about 60, 61,000 was thought to be um, the absolute maximum um, number of spectators that could be accommodated within the road infrastructure around the ground. Um, so changing habits in terms of how fans get to the game um, would seem to suggest, based on that study, that potentially there is scope for further expansion. But again, um, I don't think we'll hear anything much about that from the club um, for good um, you know, 15 to 18 months, certainly after the um, phase two of Grandfield expansion is complete. Yeah, um, I think I think. Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say. I, mean, I think I think that's right, and I think we can we can throw into the mix also that you know technology construction technology is 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 moving on at a, at a sort of fair rate of knots too, and so things that weren't possible 10, 20 years ago are now doable. So, so for example, you know when Chelsea were looking at that sort of Roman Abramovich uh, new stadium, they were looking to 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 build over a railway line at the back of. Uh, on one on one side, Manchester United again. If they ever get round to expanding Old Trafford, they're looking at expanding over the railway. And these these are situations that weren't possible uh, 10, 20, 30 years ago. So I think one thing to, to to keep in your sort of back pocket, if you like, is to keep an eye on whether dovetailing back into what you were saying about the COP, whether there's a way in which technology around building over railways, building over roads, can be done. In, in in a way that's sensitive and wouldn't mean you've got to kind of reroute main roads and all that kind of thing. I think maybe you know the, the people looking around at it maybe looking at that as a possibility. I mean, I I'd be amazed if they're not looking at that. So you know that that's something to just sort of hold on to in your back pocket. I think. Absolutely, yeah, quite right about that. Um, now, just um, sticking with the subject of the stadium, um, one of the things that was mentioned prior to commencement of the works to expand the main stand back in which I think commenced around 2014 um, 15 uh, was the subject of naming rights and it was suggested by uh, the club's hierarchy at that time that um, some of the costs of expanding that stand could be met by um, potential sponsorship deal linked to uh, naming of the stand. Now clearly that didn't materialise and everything went quiet on that front um, for several years until pretty recently when in another interview that Billy Hogan recently conducted, um, he, he just happened to mention naming rights again. Um, so I just wondered if, if you had heard anything about this and uh, you know, where, where do you think that, that is viable? And again, in terms of wider context, we know that um, since um, Tottenham Hotspur uh, moved into their um, magnificent new um, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, even prior to that, they had also been mooting the possibility of naming that stadium, and clearly um, a naming rights deal for that stadium has yet to materialise. So it's clearly very difficult to um, secure such deals, certainly in this country. I mean, in, in America it seems to be pretty common. Here it seems to be, for whatever reason, a bit more difficult. And perhaps even more so for a stand, but certainly in terms of either the main stand or the Anfield Road end, have, have you heard anything about this in terms of naming rights? Well, I have to, I have to be honest with you. I, I, I like you. I was slightly gobsmacked when I when I when I saw that um, because my understanding of the market is the market's pretty flat. Um, so you know, you look at Tottenham. You, you mentioned Tottenham. You mentioned uh, West Ham. 
Nine Club have been able to secure a, a sponsorship deal on what were brand new stadiums. And I think probably the ship has sailed on both of those now. Um, they're probably unlikely to ever get there now because the stadium's already too far down the road in terms of age and it's become, you know, it's, it's sort of known as what they're known as. And I mean, my understanding is, yeah, the market's pretty flat. What we do know is that the club were definitely in the market for a, for a stand sponsor um, when Anfield Road End went up. Um, there were conversations with, with interested parties, but they couldn't agree a price, uh, you know, um, so it just it didn't happen. Of course, you know, sponsoring a stand is different from sponsoring a, a, um, a stadium in the sense that you're more like it's going to be a smaller deal. Probably more likely to be a local company, certainly a national company, but, but, but probably a regional company. It's got a different sort of reach, if you like, and a different feel. Um, so I just think the interested parties weren't they weren't able to get one over the line. My understanding of the market is it's still pretty much the same, and uh, in terms of, as I say, being flat. And again, I think I think when Liverpool went out looking for a, for a naming partner originally, it was it was always a kind of would be nice to have nice to have but was never a sort of um was never like uh, we have to do this i think it was always seen as a, a a nice to have rather than an essential and my feeling around this one is it's the same in the sense that it's not high priority for the club i mean you know standard chartered and expedia deals things like that that that's key that's that's essential and, and my understanding of this one is that again it's going to be in the in the category of nice to have but it, you know, if something happens, great. If it doesn't happen, I don't think they're really expecting it, and um, it would just be a bonus, really. So, uh, for me, I would be surprised if if they did get a deal. Um, but who knows? You know, it's possible, of course. Um, I would, I would, I would put that in the in the sort of uh, uh, in in the sort of more unlikely to happen category, if you like. Yeah, likewise. I, I think. Um... Not certainly, we've seen very little uh, appetite, as you say, um, for attaching brands to stadiums. Never mind for stands, individual stands. So uh, I would be very surprised if, if that were to come to fruition. But uh, yeah, watch this space. Um, now, yeah. so yeah, I think I think that I think again, what I think what you'll find a little bit like with the standard chartered. When, when we started seeing figures floating around in the press, I think you find, you know, what, what can sometimes happen is, you know, the club starts to conduct a kind of fishing exercise or a kind of, like I say, a finger in the air to sort of see what, how the wind's blowing. You know, it's a kind of a, almost an exercise to sort of flush anyone out who's interested or to sort of, you know, let it be known that, 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 that you know, talks are possible. So I, I think it's an exercise in, again, seeing what's in, what interest is out there. And, and, and I, I don't, suppose for one minute there's a lack of interest but i think it's just a case of can a potential partner meet the value that the club would put on it you know yeah absolutely now um just sticking with sponsorship um just broadening it across uh premier league clubs now you know we're coming off of um the worst of covid or at least i hope we are um which is certainly affected um you know football clubs um over the last couple of years and you know we know that liverpool have lost out on you know approximately 100 million pounds in revenue um other clubs have lost even more and um you know, some clubs have um, suffered significantly um further afield such as barcelona um, due to um covid but um in light of all of that um, what are you finding in terms of um, companies out there and you know their appetite to um, sponsor football clubs and for them to be associated with football clubs? Um, are you seeing a, a decline in interest or are you finding the opposite that in fact there's healthy interest still despite the tough times that um, individuals and corporations have been through over the last two and a half years? Yeah, I, I, I recently compiled a, um, a league table of total sponsorships for Premier League clubs um, in terms of front of shirt and sleeve, you know, sort of totted it all together. And I do this on an annual basis. And I've 
recently found that despite the fact Nottingham Forest has still yet to do any deals, front of shirt or sleeve, that the value, the, the combined total, if you like, is shot is is still rising. So to me, there's still there's still upward movement in the market. There's still interest. I think I think the um, you can split the Premier League really into sort of two categories. You've got the sort of top six or seven, where you know interest is always there, isn't it? And, and, and the prices are, are are huge. Whether we're talking about you know, 50 million standard charters next deal uh, on the front of shirt or, you know, will, will Expedia get to 15 plus on the sleeve? Uh, will they match, you know, Man United and, 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 and Chelsea are getting 20 million on the sleeve? I mean, those figures are astronomical and, and the interest is always going to be there for multinational companies. Um, and, and so the demand there is, uh, is, is kind of, you know, you can sort of, you can take that slightly for granted. I think then, then you've got the kind of, then you've got kind of the the clubs outside of that. Um, so you know, you're talking your you're sort of uh, your Leicester's, your Everton's, etc. And you know, I'm seeing that, that that prices at that level are also sneaking up. So that the interest and the demand is still there. Um, and then even at the sort of, shall we put it at the kind of um, you know the sort of uh, smaller end of that group. You know, you sort of, should we say, your sort of Brentford's, Fulham's, Bournemouths. You know, again, prices are sneaking up. You know, maybe three and a half, four million for a front of shirt deal, million on the sleeve. You know, that's crept up. That's creeping up. You know, half a million or a, a million a year. So those deals are sort of inching it up again. Um, so as an overall picture, you know, the sort of mass appeal of the Premier League is is, is well talked and, and well understood. So. I think that's always going to be attractive. I think, obviously, you know what what you, what you tend to see, if you like, at the sort of lower end of the, I say lower with with all due respect, you know, at the end of the Premier League, um, is that you know clubs do tend to veer towards uh, betting companies. They will veer towards uh, uh, crypto, um, and th- those are companies that the, the bigger clubs tend to to keep away from, certainly front of shirt. Um, and, and, and those companies are willing to throw money at, uh, at a club. So, you know, as an overall picture, um, as we've seen with Liverpool's recent deal, you know, values are still climbing. And I think that's, as a rule of thumb, that's that's the case across the Premier League, just at just different, you know, different incremental levels. Yeah, no, that's right. And uh, I think that certainly... When clubs look at um, you know what what has traditionally been their largest source of revenue, that has been the domestic TV rights deals, um, and those revenue that revenue stream is flatlined, um, albeit the overseas rights um, have continued to show healthy growth. Um, it puts in greater emphasis on trying to um, optimize commercial revenues, does it not? And, uh, I think certainly uh, clubs uh, are looking increasingly for you know, opportunities to ge- generate funds through commercial activities. The the I mean the total this year I, I found and as I was saying Nottingham Forest still hadn't uh, at the time of writing hadn't announced any deals. So, I mean the Premier League off off front of shirt and sleeve was coming in at around four hundred and sixty two and a half million. Are pushing towards five of the 500 million mark so that's up on you know that's up another 20 million on just last year and that's without forest to say without forest having a deal so you could say put another 10 on that amount um so you know the, 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 the you know there's a combined figure that's about 500 million and, and like i say sort of showing no sign of uh, decreasing i would suggest that you know as you say coming out of coming out of covid and Fans back in the stadium and fingers crossed that, that that remains the case. Then then you know the interest is there and the values will continue to climb. I think the only the only the only thing I can see around the corner that might put a dent in that uh, is whether or not we ever do get a kind of um, you know some sort of blanket ban on on um, gambling uh, sponsorships on the shirts. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of that that issue blows hot and cold, doesn't it? But I don't think that issue's gone away for sure. And we um, just obviously look to see over the next few years whether whether gambling is um, the betting companies are allowed to continue with those sort of deals because they I feel they are sort of helping to 
you know, keep the deal, keep the deal values up, if you like, keeping that, keeping that, um, keeping those values up and, and, and continuing to rise and climb. Yeah, certainly for you know, a number of uh, smaller, you know, um, teams that can hover towards the bottom end, even the middle section of the Premier League, um, those types of deals and those types of companies are important. So, um, yeah, if, if that supply um, income is, is cut off due to legislation, um, that will be a blow for some clubs. But the club like Liverpool, um, you know, they, they potentially be able to withstand that kind of a development. Whereas uh, for you know, a club like Stoke, albeit you know, Stoke is a championship club, that, you know, that could have a very detrimental um, effect on them. So, I mean, again, you know, it's something to keep an eye out for. Uh, right, now, just in closing, uh, I just wanted to touch upon transfer market and uh, clearly, clearly we are coming towards the tail end of the summer transfer window and towards the uh, back end of last season I, I tweeted out an estimate for Liverpool in terms of revenue which was um, I, I estimate that the revenue for the club was going to be uh, 580 million pounds or more um, given that they got all the way to the Champions League final again um, they uh, came second in the Premier League, and um, on top of that, um, you know, had very um, strong sales through year two of the night deal, and um, you know, continue to uh, work on improving um, you know commercial revenue. So um, I estimated 580 million, and um, that would be comfortably um, record levels of turnover for the club. Their previous high mark. Um, when it comes to turnover, was in 1819, just before the pandemic, uh, where they hit 533 million. Um, and I'm raising this because um, there are a lot of fans on social media um, that you know, have this misconception that, that the club is, is short of funds, there is a lack of funds. And based on my you know, very simple analysis of what the club is, like to have generated, albeit that won't be confirmed until the accounts are published um, in in the new um, calendar year of 2023. But nonetheless, it's, it's huge amounts of revenue, and um, for that reason, you no, know, I have argued that uh, you know, if if there is a lack of activity in terms of incomings, it's certainly not down to a lack of funds, um, and that the money you know is there, you know, if, if the right player. Um, the right signing is, is, is there um, to be had, and you know, for that deal to be made. So, what what is your view about you know that kind of perception or misconception, I should say, on social media, and also your understanding of you know the, the club's levels of uh, revenue and you know their financial state as well? Yeah, I. I, I... I like you. I'd say your 580 million is is, is going to be pretty close. I think I think you're right. The, the, the last season will, will will produce record revenues, and and without question, the, the money's the money's there. I, I can understand fans who, you know, uh, want to see the money splashed. Um, uh, but I think you know the the club. I think we have to just if, if we don't trust the way the club go about the business by now, when are we ever going to? Um, you know, there's sort of show it time and time again you know i think you know what what's forgotten is obviously you know we made the um, you know we 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 made we we made some signings in well we made a signing in Lewis Diaz didn't we, in January which i think was earmarked as a summer move so i think that one gets sort of slightly forgotten but obviously when we heard about Tottenham going in for him that sort of brought forward you know our plans for him so i think certainly the money is there um uh i think when the right player comes along they they will they will make their moves. Um, it's been slightly exaggerated a bit, hasn't it? Because we've, we've already seen a few injuries in midfield. So um, I think a midfielder is what most fans would like. Um, and 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 I agree with you. That my understanding is that for the right player, the money is there. It, it's not that the money isn't there. It's but they're, they're not going to they're not going to settle for a, a panic buy. They're not going to buy someone that doesn't fit into their long term thinking. So you know. 
we, we see that as we speak, you know, Tiago's out for four to six weeks, which is a huge blow, and, and, and you know, not for the first time either. But the club are not going to panic, and the club are not going to go make a signing just to cover an injury for four or six weeks. They're going to they're going to give an opportunities to other players. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you in the sense that my understanding is very much that the money's there for the right signing. The obvious one to mention is, is Jude Bellingham. I think that he he's someone that's very much of interest to the club. No no secret to share that. And and, and my my feeling is if the club could have got him or can still get him in this uh, transfer window, they will. If they can get him even in a deal a bit like Kaita, where they make the signing and he, and he follows, you know, six months or twelve months later, they would also they would they they would settle on that as well. So I think I think things are going on behind the scenes, and you know, um, I think Jude Bellingham is is an example of the kind of signing they're looking at and are hugely interested in. And, you know, I, th- I think the money is there for that one. So so um, it's, it's a sort of, uh, it's an issue, isn't it, in the sense that, you know, we, we want the signing now, um, but, you know, some things are not possible. So they'll, they'll, they'll kind of work for the long-term good of the club rather than, you know, get, get sort of pushed into making short, short-term decisions that um, are not what they really want to go for. I mean, you know, you remember when we obviously missed out on Van Dijk um, um, and everyone was sort of pushing for us to sign another centre-back, but the, the club refused to panic and be um, pushed into making a signing they didn't really want. And of course, long-term, you know, look how that one's turned out. So I think we just have to have a little bit of patience, but <laughs> but of course it, it's not what we want, is it, either as fans? We, we don't have patience. Um, we, we kind of want it all now. Um, yeah. but, you know, when you look at, look at the season we just had, and, you know, two games away from what would have been a truly remarkable season. You know, they're not in bad shape, are they, really? No, absolutely not. And, you know, you don't have to look far into the past, uh, back to summer 2019, uh, sorry, summer 2018 even, when um, we finished, uh, you know, runners-up in the Champions League. Sorry, 2019 even. Uh, summer 2019, we won the Champions League. Uh, we thought fantastic. Um, well, clearly, we missed out on the Premier League, but I think it was a point that season. Manchester City, uh, we finished on about 97, I think they secured 98, and we served them correctly. And we were all hoping and expecting to make um, several big signings to you know, take us further forward and kick on and eventually win the Premier League. And, Instead, our marquee signing for that summer, um, depending on how you look at it, was either Step Vandenberg or Adrian. Um, Harvey Elliott also came in that window as well. So by the end of that window, we were, many of us were despondent thinking, no, what is the club doing? You know, we need to be kicking on here. And, uh, you know, what did we know? You know, the club instead, um, turned into an absolute machine going into the subsequent season of 1920. And, um, you know, won the Premier League by cancer. And, um, you know, had it not been for nursing hangovers for the last several weeks of that season, um, would have exceeded a hundred points. And, uh, you know, that was a really remarkable team. That season. Yeah. I think we, we, we have to, uh, we have to, we have to, uh, have faith. They know what they're doing because they've proven it year after year after year. And, yeah, I think, like I say, I think with, with, with Bellingham, there's no question that they would like him in now. No question at all. So, you know, I think it's one to, one to keep an eye on, one to watch. And, and, and like I say, when, 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 uh, we as fans look at transfers, we get rather impatient. But, um, yeah, like I say, I don't, I don't think, I think the fans can at least, uh, be, uh, confident, you know, in the fact that, you know, should the right, Right player become available. We can move. We've got the money. It's there. So, so I don't think there's any 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 problems around that. And you know, so it sounds like a bit of a cliche, but you know, I mean, you know, when you look at Manchester United fans, it's obviously a joy to see how unhappy a lot of them are at the start of this season. They've lost already at home, haven't they? And 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 you know, that they're getting sort of upset about lack of uh, players coming in. But but you look at actually what they've spent in the last five or six years, it's it's, it's not like they haven't been spending money. But, but it, I mean, Man United are just an example of showing you that if you spend the money, in, you know, incorrectly, it's as big a problem as not spending at all, isn't it? So, um, 
you know, I think it's just a case of have some faith in the way the club's being run and, and, and um, yeah, hopefully we get Bellingham sooner rather than later. Yeah, totally. Um, it's certainly a fantastic addition to that midfield. Um, to, as you say, you know, if, if the player isn't available until next summer, then clearly the club has already demonstrated in the past that it would rather wait um, for that right signing than um, to bring in a stopgap. Um, so, all being well, <laughs> the club could still surprise us and pull that one out we have with um, Benning coming in this summer, though it does at this point look unlikely. Um, but even if it doesn't transpire for this summer, um, you know, I, I personally have a lot of confidence that you know, we can certainly get a deal done, which will ensure that, um, you know, arguably um, the most promising young English midfielder of his generation um, will be playing in the Red of Liverpool um, from summer 23. So, so that is certainly um, a scenario that is very much more to look forward to. Um, but that's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, some really insightful stuff there, Alex. Um, really do appreciate you joining us and sharing your thoughts and also um, um, some information that you've gleaned from your conversation with uh, Billy Hogan and others at Liverpool Football Club. So that is really, really appreciated, as I say. Um, so, I mean, closing, um, where, where can uh, people find your work and also where can... Um, people find you on, on, on social media. Yeah, thanks. You can often find my work on the FC Business magazine or, or, or Mail on Sunday or Sunday Mirror. Uh, I'm a freelance, so I, I work across different um, different titles, but you can uh, you can find my um, some of my thoughts and stories I often post up on, on Twitter. So I'm at AlexMiller73, um, so you'll find me there. And um, yeah, no, it's, it's been an absolute... Uh, absolute joy to be uh, to join you today and i'm um, uh, pleased to please to uh, please have been invited back and, and hopefully i'll uh, i'll be back again soon really appreciate it again so that that was alex miller um and um yeah, we, we certainly covered a vast array of different subjects um, on the sponsorship front um i hope to be back after the um, end of the transfer window i should return in september um, being well, uh, I'll be covering another aspect of um, finance um, for you great listeners. And until next time, happy rates. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.